everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Coffee Cream and Convo. Hey now. This week we are doing our second part of the missing and murdered indigenous women, specifically talking about the Highway of Tears. This is going to be a good one again. Yes, absolutely. I, I say that a lot, I guess. Maybe. <laughs> I know I said it the last time. You did. But like, I feel it. This is going to be a good one again. It, you know what? It, since you say that, I really do appreciate all the responses that we got for the oh, last yeah. episode. For real. Um, it, I really do appreciate it. We got a lot of feedback, a lot of uh, shares of the episode, and um, some of the things that were posted on the Instagram. And, you know, one of the things that we said at the end, well, I had said, actually, was that if we at least reach one person, we did our job. Mm -hmm. And we reached quite a few people. And uh, I'm really happy about that. You know, of course, we want to draw attention to our show. But more than anything, we want to bring awareness to some serious matters. So, you know, we Absolutely. do talk about some silly things. And it's, it's nice that we have a good balance between some of the less, the lighter topics and then yeah. we can discuss some really serious things that you know both you and i are really passionate about absolutely that, and i mean when you have a platform what you know what better thing to do absolutely and uh i'm glad that we were able to discuss something because this is something that both you and i are passionate about definitely mm -hmm. i talk about this stuff all the time and all the time y'all all the time i rock the missing and murdered indigenous women gear no more stolen sisters you know what all that we gotta post a picture of you in your mask. We should. Yeah, uh, the, Tommy wears his uh, missing and murdered women um, his mask all the time, and I actually meant to t post a picture of that and I kept forgetting. So I'm gonna it's need really to, comfortable. to do. I'm it is. It's like silky, and it's got the thing in there for the the filter, mm -hmm. so that it's not just a regular cloth mask. Mm -hmm. I like that. Very good. Make sure you let me take a picture of you because we know how much you love pictures. I will. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's. We we'll just have to make sure it's somewhere like where we can prove where I was and what time of day it is. Oh, you mean the things that you never do? Right. Yeah, because this is going to be a really good innocent shot of me doing something. Like we're going to put this online. Uh huh. So just in case there is a crime that happens around our area oh, at the time, everybody knows where I was and why I was there. All right, let, let's let's just rehash last week's episode. You know I love hash. Corned beef and otherwise. <laughs> you know what? Whatever. <laughs> anyway, indigenous women make up less than 5% of the total female population. But a study in 2015 determined that native women are 25% of all murdered women in Canada. That is crazy. Right. Crazy. The other thing is that here in the US, indigenous women face murder rates more than 10 times the national average. Homicide is the third highest cause of death in indigenous women and girls between the ages of 10 and 24, and the fifth highest for women between 25 and 34. That is just wild. Mm -hmm. Again, I know I said it the last time, but when you think about it, the third highest cause of death in 10-year-old girls yep. is murder. Yep. That's that's too much, man. I also found that on uh, nativewomenwilderness.org, they have a stat that four out of five indigenous women have experienced violence. More than half have experienced sexual violence and more than half have been physically abused by their pa their partner. I believe it. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you get shitted on like that by, you know, your government and you're put in uh, a situation that you can't grow out of, then things like that happen. And a lot of times nobody says anything. Like when they're the victim, people don't say anything because right. they see that nothing happens. And, you know, you see this across all cultures. 
But these stats are just wild. Mind-boggling. It doesn't make any of those things okay. No, not at all. It, it's it's pretty fucked up. Um, last week we talked about Sherry Ann Wounded Foot. We talked about Beatrice Adam, and we talked about Brooklyn Moose. But this week we're going to talk about the Highway of Tears. So, the Highway of Tears is actually uh, Highway 16, which is in British Columbia, mm-hmm. and it is a 450 mile portion of that roadway which falls between prince george and prince rupert and it runs between like rural areas mostly forested and in between those areas it's like great distances so it's like long roadways just i got you nothingness yeah so you got nothing but forest on these long trips between civilization out here and when you say civilization it's very very small towns that that are running that are over there these same ones that you know make it real simple for predators to creep into and do shit like this exactly so it's also a very poorly lit highway which i you know we live of in course. a small area and the highways near us are pretty poorly lit and we live in a very rural town so i imagine a roadway like close to where we are being something like what highway 16 is yeah i would imagine i mean we got 80 that runs pretty close mm-hmm. and they keep that fairly well lit because it's such a busy highway all the time yeah but aside from that there's not a lot of roads with lights on and yeah uh, around here so i imagine out there it's the same thing that your local government wants to save money by not putting lights out there mm-hmm. so that's what happens you end up with these 450 mile long stretches yeah. of road where there's poor lighting almost everywhere as an aside i had uh gone to uh detroit think two years ago and the airport that is closest to us runs on a roadway that is very very poorly lit my flight was leaving i believe it was 6 Mm a.m i think i left home at like three something like that it was so dark and i was the only car on the road and i'm like this is not fun this is not cool at all yeah that sounds like a a bad situation Mm -hmm. waiting to happen yep so um on the highway of tears dozens of canadian women and girls mostly indigenous women have disappeared near the road the highway or on it between 1969 and the early 2000s when it comes to the specific number of women that have disappeared it's kind of hard to call some places they say it's 40 some other places it says it's over 80 i've read elsewhere though that they're saying 1200 yeah i've heard varying numbers too uh what i hear listening to different things is usually up around a thousand or over Mm mm-hmm um, but again, there's so little information on these women that it's hard to even get account for yourself. Like, it's not like you can just go online and say, all right, well, let me look up all this stuff and see what I can find and, you know, bring up a, a total of my own because you can't, there's just not enough out there. There's not enough. There's not enough information. And that's what the same thing we talked about the last time when we were researching and telling stories of some of these missing and murdered women, you, you don't get enough information about what exactly happened to them. So it's hard to say whether um, they were murdered on the highway, near the highway, if they were murdered, if it was suicide, if it was, you know, whatever. You don't really know. All the information is very unclear. You have to consider how many cases aren't being reported. If it's women that are, are, um, you know, sex workers or whatever, are they going to come back and report it? Which is stuff that we talked about last week. Something interesting that I found, and this totally blew my mind there was no public transportation in a lot of these towns until 2017 that sounds crazy if you live in one of those areas like even even where i grew up in the lehigh valley 
they're not the biggest city. Like they're nothing compared to the size of New York City. Mm-hmm. But they've got public transportation. It wasn't always what it is today. Right. But they've had public transportation. Like you could get from one borough to the next and whatnot without, mm-hmm. you know, having to walk your ass off. But a lot of small towns, they don't have it. They either don't need it or they don't have it in the budget. Again, because funding. I definitely think it was a budget thing. You have to think about the reservations and how much funding they get, which is not much. We we all know. This Um, is all federally controlled stuff. Exactly. In most cases. Right. So I understand, but it doesn't make sense to me. You know, as everybody knows, I'm from New York. So you know what the public transportation system is like in New York. It is vast. For real. Yeah. Uh, You can get anywhere at any time of day or night. Um, some trains don't run after a certain time, but there's other trains that pick up for it. There, there's always a way to get to where you need to go to. So that has always fascinated me, yeah. by the way, because uh, <laughs> in Easton, where I grew up, they mm-hmm. don't that shit used to stop at like six in the evening. Not New York. Now I don't know what time it stops now, mm-hmm. but it damn sure ain't that late. Where I used You're to not live, not going anywhere two in the morning on a bus. Well, where I used to live, there was a bus that stopped right there, and that bus would stop, I believed, at midnight. So in order to get to the train, you'd have to walk. Um, I mean, it's a little that's a little bit inconvenient. But again, that's that's not in Manhattan. That's, you know, where I used to live outside of Manhattan. Um, But in Manhattan of itself, you can get anywhere at any time. So but even still, like I said, there's still a bus that was running until midnight or 2 a.m. or whatever time. I don't really remember anymore. Um but to hear that there are places, this place, these places that don't didn't have public transportation, and these people that have to get to work, this is where the issue came in. One of the issues that came in with the Highway of Tears because a lot of these women would hitchhike. Yeah, I mean and you got to trek those those long bits of highway between town. Yeah, so you think about a person that lives in one town, their job is three or four or five towns away and like i mentioned before there it's long stretches of highway and the the towns are very far from one another it's not like they're gonna walk to their job they have to get a ride through with somebody right if everyone you know doesn't have a car and your only option is hitchhiking what are you gonna do you're gonna hitchhike either that or you're gonna hoof it every day right how long is that gonna last exactly so I feel like that's definitely another factor in this in this situation. Again, all these women, or I'm saying women, um, we are speaking about women specifically in this episode, so I'm going to say women, um, have to get to wherever they have to go, and they are hitchhiking or walking or whatever it is that they're doing, and it, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling and, and mm-hmm. unfortunate, really. And anybody who listens or follows along with any kind of true crime podcast or television series... Uh, you know, crimes of opportunity are, yes. are just so difficult to solve sometimes because they're literally a crime of opportunity. Absolutely. Someone saw the opportunity to do something wild and went ahead and did it. There's there's no real motive that they can find from that. There's no connection to anybody they can find from that. Uh, and, you know, those those long stretches of road really make for easy spots to pull over and rape, yep. murder, dump a body. Dump a body. You know, mm-hmm. any, any of that stuff. It's It, it would be a simple way to get rid of a body that you just defiled in some way right there in the middle of nothingness and then the next person who comes along it could be days weeks months before somebody walks by that spot because Mm -hmm. again these women are out here hitching rides instead of walking and whatnot because the distance and you know circumstances and whatnot 
Now, one thing I have to add, though, is that I always had the impression that when we refer to the Highway of Tears victims, these crimes occurred on the highway. But what I discovered when I was researching was that it's not necessarily that. There are cases that I read. There's one, I, I don't really remember the lady's name. It's escaping me right now, but she was an older woman and her house was set on fire. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, obviously she was not, you know, it wasn't on the highway that this happened. Yeah. But where she lived was in the vicinity of the Highway of Tears. And so uh, they, yeah. they put that into... In that nothingness area by the yeah, highway. Yeah, and she got included in that. Um, I, I think that's fair because mm-hmm. without that big old highway going through, you never know how many of these women's lives wouldn't have, you know, ended up that way. Smaller roads don't make for more safety. It just makes it more difficult for someone from farther away to come in and just be passing by. Right. And that goes back to what we mentioned last time with the lumber towns and the um, and the mining and this and that. You yeah. have all these transients coming in and out. You don't know who these people are, what their background is, this, that, and the third. And so you have all these random people coming out and a lot of criminals and uh, just doing whatever they want to as a free-for-all because you know what people don't care and they're not looking into these missing native women because who cares about them that is the that's the mentality absolutely so just like we did the last time i found a couple of cases that i want to share and again it just goes back to bringing awareness and giving a voice to the voiceless so the first story i want to mention is about a woman named Jean Virginia Sempare, who was known by her family and friends as Ginny. So she was 18 years old when she went missing on October 14th, 1971. The last time she was seen was on a bridge near Highway 16, the Highway of Tears, by with her cousin Alvin. Another one on a bridge. Last seen on a bridge. Yes. With her brother. Yes. No, this she one's did. cousin. Oh, this, oh, the last one was the boyfriend. The boyfriend. I, I called brother by mistake. Yes. Yep. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Now this... I call him brother by mistake. <laughs> See, this is why we're getting married. Right oh, now. that's why? That's one of the reasons okay. why. There's a couple others. We'll discuss that after. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, from what I, what I read, her and her cousin uh, were walking, uh, just, just walking around. Yeah. And um, he had to run back home to get a jacket. And so he left her near this bridge. Now, I don't know how far he traveled, like how far his home was from the bridge. But on his way back to her, he said he heard a car door slam. Okay. Which is a distinct sound. Like if you hear a car door slam, you know what it is. Pretty freaking sure. Yeah. So when he got back to the spot that he left her, Ginny was gone. And there was no sign of the vehicle that he heard. The following morning, Ginny's mother called the police to report her missing but she was told she had to wait a certain amount of time before reporting a disappearance. I hate that. Yes. I hate that so bad. Yes. There's no amount of time usually set by law. Mm-hmm. It's just with these police precincts that the people themselves set yeah. because they don't want to go out and answer a call. In, in busy metropolitan areas, I get it. You might not have time to look for every kid who's three hours late coming home. Yeah. But everywhere, overall... That's a terrible practice to make somebody wait a day, 24, mm-hmm. 48 hours of her yep. 36 hours. Yep. You're going to tell somebody that their their relative could be kidnapped or missing for 36 to 48 hours, even 24, 12 hours is too much. Yes. When someone feels like their loved one is going to be murdered. Yes. The thing is that most most places you hear, they say 24 hours. Yeah. And But then you think about how when you hear detectives speak, they say the first 24 or 48 hours is critical. 
So if you know that already in practice, that that is critical, why are you waiting? Exactly. I don't understand that. That that really bothers me because as a parent, I think about that. You know your child. Yeah. Now, some there's some children that are just, you know, they, they're, they're really, they, they follow all the rules. They do what they're supposed to do. They call, they check in, they this, they that. You know your kid. If your kid is gone, the kid didn't call for three hours, yeah. four hours, you know something's wrong. Why are we disregarding these things? Either way, it wasn't until to, until two days later, October 16th, that the report was taken. Two days. Two days. That uh, Anybody who's a fan of the A&E show, First 48, First knows 48. already it's probably too late for this investigation it, it, yes. to get off the, off the fucking ground. I'm glad you said that because that was what I was going to reference that. You, you're absolutely correct. So... There were a lot of theories about what happened to Jenny. None of these things have been proven, though. So prior to going to the uh, on that walk with her cousin Alvin, Jenny's family said that she looked like something was wrong with her. She looked like she was crying and she was avoiding eye contact. Okay. Um, when they questioned her, sounds like an eighteen-year-old. Right. Typical. When they questioned her about what was wrong, she refused to answer. Something that should be noted, though, is that her boyfriend whose name I never found because you know how the information is always sparse. Of course. Um, had gone missing shortly before the incident occurred. Stop it. Yeah. So maybe she was upset that he was gone. Wow. They couldn't find him. I don't know. Um, but that led some people to think that maybe it was a suicide. Like her boyfriend disappeared. Right. Or something. And she was like, you know, I can't live without him. I, I don't know. Um, they may have suspected that she ran away with him. Since he was gone, maybe she went, you know, went off with him. Okay, yeah. Like, maybe he found her on the bridge. That was his car. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, though. They found the boyfriend's body after she disappeared. His body? Yeah. He died. He was... It was... His death was ruled a drowning. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, he went missing. She's all upset. She goes missing. Yep. He's found drowned. Yeah. All right. So, maybe she's upset... Because she knows he was dead. Maybe. Or maybe she went missing for the same reason he He did. went missing. I thought about that too. Um, to me, given that she heard the car door slam, the boyfriend's deceased, I'm thinking foul play. That's what it sounds like mm -hmm. to me. If I was a cop, I would be all I'd be all over this. Mm-hmm. As as a an abduction, not like a runaway. Right, right. That's that that's what more along the lines of what I was thinking. E even if you don't have all the information at first, because sometimes that happens. Like people don't realize they've seen something that they seen or heard something that they heard. Mm -hmm. uh, and when it comes out, like you know, the dead boyfriend. Right. It's okay to switch gears for any cops who who may you know chance to listen to this show. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's okay to change your mind yeah. in the middle and, you know, get a different theory. You can chase down uh, a murderer or a kidnapper if at first you thought it was a runaway. It could be anything. It, 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 there, there, there are tons of possibilities. Thing is, though, they never found Jenny's body and they or and or I should say her whereabouts because it doesn't necessarily mean that she's dead. So when her cousin walked away to get his jacket, mm -hmm. that was the last anyone seen of her Correct. on record. Correct. That's Next wild. thing they found was the boyfriend's that, body. That really doesn't happen with runaways unless they disappear along the way. You don't know. So, never found her. Don't know. No idea what happened to uh, Jenny. Um, also, another victim. Her name was Delphine Nichols. Now, hmm, this bothered me, of course, but Delphine was 15 years old. 
Man. And was last seen on June 13th, 1990. So, according to what I found, she left her home at approximately 2 p.m. and told her uncle that she was living with and she was going to go hang out with friends. So, as far as they were able to piece together, she did meet up with the friends. Okay. And after hanging out with them for the afternoon, she decided that she was going to go home. And she separated from them at a gas station that was on Highway 16. Ah. Yeah. I feel like with all the stuff that happens on this highway, they should know that's a bad idea. Well, I, don't, I mean, you, you figure these these victims first started popping up in 1969. Yeah. This is 1990 now. Yeah, so you're talking is, a good 20 years. Yes, of this still going on. I would think, I, I, I mean, you would want people to be a little bit more cautious, but times were different back yeah. then. Yeah, and also... 15 years old 15 years you old you couldn't tell me nothing when i was 15 oh we know i've heard your stories um so she decides she wants to go home and she separates from her from her friends at this gas station mm -hmm. uh before she leaves the gas station she calls her uncle and she tells him that she's heading home the friends that she was with said that last time they saw her she was hitchhiking wow yeah um, and you know, like I said, Highway 16 is known for hitchhikers, so it Yo. wasn't unusual for her to be doing that. Yeah, people wouldn't think twice. I just wonder if her uncle knew. Like, did he know yeah, that she that was would hitchhiking? That's really home? irresponsible. I don't. I, I guess well, I get that behavior from a 15-year-old, but unless her uncle was one of those situations where, like, he's almost the same age as her, which it doesn't sound, because if she's living with him, then you know, probably an adult. So, just give him the benefit of the doubt. He's an adult, mm -hmm. a grown man, right? Wouldn't you be against your 15-year-old niece hitchhiking but, uh, on a highway where everybody comes up missing? Again, you have to consider no public transportation. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many towns away she went to to meet up with her friends. Right. How far it was between, you know, her home and where she was. I, I guess it was normal. I, Man, I, don't, would, I don't know. It's hard for us to look at I that. I can't say that that would ever be normal in my family. It right. wouldn't be normal for you, knowing the kind of person you are and how, yeah. how, how uh, safety conscious you are. Absolutely not. But you have to think, this is the 90s. People looked at things a lot differently than how they do now. And small town areas. Small town areas where people always think, oh, nothing really can happen to us. Or nothing bad really happens here. That is both the great thing and the horrible lie that's presented by small towns mm -hmm. and small town people. Mm -hmm. Nothing bad ever happens here. That's not true. You can dig into just about any small town and find a hidden murder somewhere or a story about a public murder that was never solved mm -hmm. because of some real dirty stuff. Yeah. Like, every place has their demons. Murder, kidnapping, sex trafficking. It happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. But listen to this, though. This is this this is a little bit interesting. So, last, like I said, the last thing that everybody knew was that she was going to hitchhike home. Mm -hmm. Uncle thought that. The friends thought that. That was it. She wasn't seen since then. Um, now Delphine had a cousin and her cousin's name was Cecilia Nickel and Cecilia went missing the year before Delphine did. Yo. Yeah. You poor decision making mothers. Again, you have to, t you're, you're looking at it from the perspective of you right now. You got to kind of look at it for what it was. <laughs> Man, in 1990, I was already carrying a knife everywhere I went. Yeah look at it for what it was but still where you lived was different from where they 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 lived i get that yeah but these are still your children and your cousin just went missing the yeah. year before yeah so Yo. 
Cecilia was somewhere between 15 and 18 years old. Not sure how old she was at the time. I'm not really sure why nobody knew when they spoke with her family. I, I don't know. That's, that was weird to me. But she was somewhere between 15 and 18 when she went missing. And she disappeared in 1989. Um, very little information about Cecilia. But from what I found, Cecilia went to go visit her mother on August 1st, 1989. So I assume okay, she didn't live with her mother. She went to go visit her. For whatever reason... She left her mother's house and decided to go live on the street. Happens sometimes, unfortunately. Yeah. So her mother said that she was last seen on October of 19, somewhere in October of 1989, near the Highway of Tears. Some of her family said that Cecilia moved to Vancouver Island, but that was never confirmed. And Cecilia has never been seen again. So that was it. That's it. That is all. Wow. It's so uh, frustrating too yeah. that you can't find more. Nope, that's all. I, that's all the information I could find. And you know, you know, when I was researching this, I was digging. Yeah, yeah. Um, some people say that there may have been a connection between the two disappearances, but I don't see anything that links them aside from the fact that they're related and that the, that they disappeared near Highway 16. Right. Probably because the local police determined that they were both runaways somehow oh of course that's probably the first thought that that they i mean th with regards to cecilia's story there seems to be a lot more going on here than what was told and what i read first of all they don't know how old she is weird yeah secondly she wasn't living with her mother prior to this weird third when she lived with her she decided she wanted to leave and live on, rather live on the street uh-huh weird now it just it's just a lot of really odd things around that story around her life that makes me wonder you know what 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 else what what are we missing because i feel like we're missing something yeah, i mean that, aside from the basics we're missing something major that could go one of two ways well probably one of a few but okay. the two that uh strike out at me mm -hmm. are either her mother was a real piece of work mm -hmm. and this kid had to get out of there for her own safety or sanity right or right the kid was into something like drugs or you know something that her mother wouldn't allow there and she mm -hmm. chose that over staying there because i've seen both sides of that many many times mm -hmm. it's quite possibly quite possibly but that was really something that was so strange to me that, that whole situation is so strange and it doesn't it didn't sit well with me and it still doesn't it's very weird but with regards to delphine it's suspected that she was murdered by a man named bobby jack fowler now Fowler was an American, but like a lot of the people we talked about, he was a transient construction worker. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, we mentioned that that's one of the reasons why the crime rate is so high in these native um, areas. Yeah. Uh, he had a really extensive criminal history, which included sexual assault, attempted murder, and firearms offenses. He's considered a, pr a person of interest in approximately 16 murders, 16 what? in British Columbia and Oregon, going back to 1969. This guy is a highway of tears. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> you say that. It's interesting you say that because one of the theories about the, the highway of tears, well, one of, not theory, but what, one of the things people talk about is whether it's one person that's committing all these crimes or if it's a series of people that are doing it. Right. Or like you mentioned before, if it's just a crime of opportunity. If nobody ever gets caught, mm -hmm. how do you know? You can never answer that unless, you know, you're the forensics team or the, the detectives working it who see all the evidence that we don't get to hear. Yep. 
And if they're calling these girls runaways and missing people yep. and not looking for a murderer, yeah, I got no respect for that. None, zero. You're not doing your goddamn job. Nope. I don't do my job. I get fired. Yep. And that's the thing. They like, like I said last time, they keep saying it's the sex workers, it's the runaways, it's this, it's that, and kind of Find brushing them. it off, and like it's not that serious. Yeah. But it is serious, regardless of their occupation, regardless of their addiction. Yeah. These are still people. How can you say it's not that serious? Like, how can you brush it off? Oh, run away. Oh, they were just, they just died. They OD'd. That's crazy to I me. I get it. You don't like scumbags, maybe. But Fine. being a scumbag doesn't mean you should just die automatically. Exactly. Like that, to me, even to me, and I have a very profound sense of justice. Mm -hmm. You have to earn that. You have to earn not being worth life anymore. Right. Well. Being a hooker or a prostitute or a sex worker or a runaway doesn't cancel your life. Exactly. Absolutely. Well said. I like that. I like how you put that. Well, someone who wasn't worth shit, Fowler, in 1995, he was arrested after a woman jumped out of a window at a motel with a rope still tied around her ankles. Holy hell. Mm-hmm. In 96, he was convicted of kidnapping, attempted murder, and sexual abuse in the first, as well wow. as menacing, assault, and coercion. Oh, very nice. So he was making threats at her even after. He was uh, sentenced to 16 years in jail with the possibility of parole. That's it? It's okay, though, because that piece of shit died in jail. So, uh, great. There you go. Hey, mm -hmm. karma struck. Karma sure did strike. <sighs> uh, did it say how he died? I don't did even... I, I'm going to tell you the truth. I didn't give a fuck. I really <laughs> hope he got like, stabbed up or no. like, raped to death. I, I didn't care. I didn't I didn't research that part. I saw the fact that he, he died in jail, and I was satisfied with that. I, I didn't want to. I didn't care how. I, I, I feel you. I, I didn't care. I, I didn't. That, and that's the truth. Because, like I, I mentioned this before, this was a really hard um, episode for me to research for. It really was very difficult to read the stories and to yeah, hear. It really took a lot out of you. It did. And it, it really. Whew, it was hard. It, it, it was really tough. And so there were certain points where I had to stop. You know, you know how many times yeah, I stopped, were walked away, because it was just yep. so emotionally draining for me. So it's tough to stomach. Yeah, especially it, when you see how it's handled yeah. by law enforcement and mm -hmm. and the media. Like, all right, maybe maybe cops in small towns are all jagoffs and they don't want to yeah. do their job. But as a reporter, even in a small area, you don't want to help them do their job. Right. You don't care either with your giant platform. Yeah to inform everyone of what's going on yeah we still can't find information about yep. this you're not doing your job you're either not, absolutely not and that's the thing we are a small platform we're trying to bring awareness if i had a larger platform you bet your ass i'd be out here talking about this shit and trying to get Damn people right. to 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 wake up and pay attention we're doing what we can here with who we have but it, like i said it was just it was just tough and so when it got to the point that i read that he was dead i was like good done <laughs> to walk away because i didn't Absolutely. care beyond that point let me tell you about cynthia moss now this this story made me feel some type of way uh cynthia was known as cinderella to her family wow i thought that was cute she was 35 years old when wait, she was wait, wait. sorry i'm yes. sorry yes. i'm sorry to cut you off it's okay cinderella was 35 wow oh my god first that ruined the image i had of this person uh second that ruins disney for me because now every time i see cinderella 
I'm going to look at it like this. No. Is this motherfucker 35 years old? Cinderella was a teenager. And the only reason why I actually know that very distinctly is because Brianna and I are working on putting a little something together. And um, we were researching some um, Disney princesses. And it showed what age each princess was wow. at the time of her story. Okay. Um, I'm actually, that, I'm really excited about this. Um, I know you guys have been yeah. going in on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're working on uh, on doing a, a kids edition, coffee cream and convo kids edition. Um, I'll get more details out once we get a little bit closer. But just a little tin, a little tidbit I'm going to give you guys. Cinderella was definitely a teenager, so you're okay, Tommy. Don't worry. It's all good. All right, she's still going to be 35 when I watch the cartoon. Oh my gosh! Now, I don't remember the last time I seen it or when I'll see it again. But I'll <laughs> bet you I think about this story right here. I, I actually not a big. I did not like the Cinderella Disney movie. I, I didn't. Not. I like Disney in in general. I wasn't a fan of Cinderella or Snow White, but yeah, me neither. Uh, sometimes I I watch through stuff just because I remember. No, I got <laughs> I I uh I really got into it. Um, I think it was Aladdin. That was my first really. Uh, that's when I started to get really hyped about him. And did you see the remake of the Aladdin? By the way, I did not. Oh, it's great. It's so good. They add a, a different perspective to it about you know being a female and how. Is this the one with Will Smith? Yes. Okay. It was good. I don't. I don't watch live action cartoons. It's worth watching. We should watch that this weekend. <clears throat> Just say yes. So anyway, guys, Cinderella. Back to the serious topic. I know we, we went off on a little tangent. Um, but Cinderella. So she was 35 years old when she was found deceased. And it was determined that her cause of death was blunt force trauma. She was found in a wooded area on October 8th, 2010. And this area was known to be frequented by sex workers. According to this article that I found, she was known to live a quote-unquote high-risk lifestyle oh man i it's unclear as to whether or not she was a prostitute but that doesn't mm. matter that's neither here nor there i can see how this investigation was no you already know you already know because actually they didn't want to say for a while how she died um they didn't want to put out a lot of information about her at all they didn't really want to uh include it into the highway of tears cases the whole whole wow debacle. clearly she's not worth mentioning because she's a sex worker a lot of, uh, uh, I'll mention, this is going to come up again, so before I even reveal that, let me continue on with the story. So I found an article from the Alaska Highway News, and Cynthia had a really sad childhood. She was born with a form of fetal alcohol syndrome, Oy. and she was introduced to drugs at a really young age. And having fetal, uh, fetal alcohol syndrome made her predisposed to addiction. Of course. Yeah. Um, there's some other things that happened in her childhood, which I don't feel is worth mentioning. Um, but like I said, it's all pretty sad. Yeah. But regardless of her childhood and her drug addiction, it doesn't really matter in the, in the grander scheme of things because her life was ultimately taken. It for damn sure shouldn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. I, 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 I'm mentioning it because it's part of her story, but I don't want people to take that and, and use that to taint who she was. Yeah. So... Her family reported her missing in September of 2010, and they said that they hadn't heard from her in two weeks. The last time she was seen was September 10th of 2010. Okay. So 
you know, we keep mentioning these transient workers. The person that was ultimately convicted of her murder was oh, a guy named, yes, a guy named Cody Legikabov. Yeah, this guy, Cody, we're going to call him. Um, he was convicted of Cynthia's murder, along with three other women, all of whom were killed uh, near or along the Highway of Tears. There was 35-year-old Jill Stuchenko, who was last seen on October 9, 2009. 23-year-old Natasha Montgomery, who disappeared a few weeks prior to Cynthia. And then there was 15-year-old Lauren Leslie. What's interesting is that he wasn't caught in the act of hurting anyone. Okay. He was pulled over because he was driving erratically. And when he was pulled over, he had blood on him. Uh, on his person, as well as Lauren Leslie's belongings. Wow. Yeah. So the, the cop had asked him where the, the blood came from, and he claimed that it was from poaching and that he had clubbed a beer a deer to death <laughs> that that that's what he said as, as someone who has chased down deer or rather attempted to chase down deer i'm not the fastest guy uh, but i can tell you it's not likely that he was able to catch a deer and club it to death. well not likely that's what he said he did and he was arrested under canada's wildlife act which pretty okay. much states that you're not supposed to hunt in certain areas and at certain times of year of course, that's why he said poaching, mm-hmm. thinking it would be a lesser charge, lesser problem. Mm-hmm. So what the officers did was they traced his tire tracks and that led them to some footprints, which led them to Leslie Lauren's remains. Get the heck out of mm-hmm. here. Hey, shout out to those guys. I'm sorry, Lauren Leslie. Mm-hmm. So he was linked to Cynthia's death, Jill's death and Natasha's death, but not because of a confession. It was through DNA testing. And one thing that I should also mention, too, is that Natasha's body wasn't ever found either. But they were able to determine that he had something to do with her disappearance because they found his DNA in her body. Oh, in in her body? I'm sorry, in her apartment. I apologize. Oh, okay. Wait wait a second. Yeah, they found they found her. uh, They found his DNA in her apartment. Wow. Something that that I was sloppy. Yeah, he was sloppy. But something I should also mention was that they had said that he was a cocaine addict i believe uh-huh. and he would use prostitutes to bring him drugs i was going so. to say this sounds like a, a sex trafficking thing mm-hmm. some of the names sound very uh slavic like uh-huh Lejebikov. yeah and uh who is who is the woman jill, jill stuchenko jill stuchenko mm-hmm. and then nastasha <sighs> i know it's natasha but you know yeah. natasha mm-hmm. yes stuchenko Lejebukov. All right, you can stop now. This sounds like a part of a ring. Well, he would use these prostitutes to bring him drugs. So the the belief is that they were all prostitutes, uh, except for um, Leslie Lauren. Lauren Leslie. I keep saying her name backwards. Yeah. Lauren Leslie. She wasn't a prostitute. Um, I think that was more of a crime of opportunity for him. It sounds that way. Yeah. This guy seems to have had a, a good thing going, as they say in the criminal world, mm-hmm. where people weren't asking questions about sex workers going missing and, you know, drug stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden, they find this woman who wasn't classified as a deviant. Right. And, you know, something suddenly gets done. Yeah. Well, you know what? Better late than never. Absolutely. I, I, I would like to 
have that shout out remain mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um always happy and i always respect when law enforcement does their job properly right right i am not the biggest advocate for policing because a lot of stuff i don't approve of happens out there mm-hmm. and when i say i don't approve of it i mean a lot of things that shouldn't happen ever happen out there and you know some of these cops it's all on them well, so i have zero respect for that and i have mad respect for the ones who do their job well they did a good job in this case where they were able to um find lauren's body absolutely they, they traced the tire yes, tracks and yes. the footprints hey that's not easy man. yeah and up and you know she was still warm when they found her wow it had just occurred so that was fast mm-hmm. well either way cody was found guilty convicted of four counts of first degree murder on in september of 2014 and he was sentenced to life in prison with no uh with the possibility of parole after 25 years yeah canada's got that i don't yeah. i don't think they can keep you more than 25 without giving you the opportunity it works a little different there yeah canada's more about rehabilitation than it is here than it you know as here it in should be yeah um just uh, a little i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say I, i'm quick to say that uh people who typically do crimes in this country that would earn a life sentence mm-hmm. deserve it um and I also am quick to say that I don't believe in life sentences being carried out. Uh, I think those people should be taken off the planet. Um, I realize that people think you sit there and you suffer for the rest of your life and that's what you deserve and all. But I think we went over this a little bit in the last episode. But uh, 25 years doesn't sound like enough. But in the cases where someone can really be rehabilitated from what they've done, like it wasn't just a, a serial killer out there whacking people for fun. Right. That's that's a good safety net for someone who deserves a second chance right absolutely well something that is worth mentioning is that cody was 24 years old when he was convicted wow 24 years old just a kid himself Mm-hmm. sorry to all was. you 24 year olds out there but absolutely was when you get to my age oh, you're God. all kids oh geez well anyway that those are just a couple of the victims from the highway of tears murders i uh, just wanted to share some of the stories there are a lot more stories to share some that i could piece a together a little lot. bit more some that i could not get more than the, just their name and you know these two episodes like i like i keep saying was very hard to work on but they are dedicated to these missing and murdered indigenous women thousands of thousands of women that are missing okay Anybody who's interested in learning more, you can check out MMIW.org. There's a lot of information on what's going on. If you're interested in donating, you can donate there. Just um, share the information. Even if you don't want to share this show, share the website. Share something. Definitely. And uh, go go on Facebook and check out Native Lives Matter. Uh, it's a Native-run page. It's uh, a really vocal set of folks out there. And... Uh, they have links for the MMIW movement mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely check it out. Learn, learn, let's learn some more information. Let's try to share this information. We need change. We need change. Very much so. Anyway, that's all we got today, guys. That's it for now. Thank you for listening. If anyone did not hear the first episode, be sure to run back and check it out. definitely yeah check out all the information that we have on uh, the missing and murdered indigenous women 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Just thank you. I hope y'all learned something today. And uh, I, I hope what you heard, you pass along yes. and open someone else's eyes with yes. it. Yes. One person's all you need. Absolutely. Change just keeps building. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care of each other. See you guys next time. Coffee Cream and Convo is hosted by Heidi Potter and Tommy Brown. Email us at coffeecreamandconvo at yahoo.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Join us at Coffee Cream and Convo on Instagram or Dead Savage on Facebook. Coffee Cream and Convo is a Dead Savage production. Outro by Brianna.